You're listening to the Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, and we were all given the one spirit. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal Equal concern concern for each each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Well, good morning, and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor. Big welcome to everybody watching online this morning. We're so honored to have you. If, if you're not ready to be with us in person yet, we just want you to know we're ready when you are. We're ready to create more space when you're ready to be here. We're ready to create, to open up more kids' classrooms when you're ready to be here. We're ready when you are. But until then, let me encourage you if you're watching at home online, keep it fresh at home. You know, I really believe that it is so important for us to worship alongside the body of Christ. And if you're not ready to do that in person yet, let me encourage you to create space on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., a sacred place in your home or wherever you're watching, to be able to come together with us at the same time, same place, and join us online. Maybe if you're comfortable, invite some of the people who you've been quarantining with over to worship and, and, and engage in the message and everything together. And Uh, We're just so honored that you're still a part of this family. We see you, we're with you, and uh, thanks for being a part of it. And thanks to everyone in the room this morning. We're honored to have you as well. If it's your first time joining us, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for being a part of this and and for uh, being with us today, whether it's online or in person. Today's a good day to be here. We are starting a brand new message series today, just two parts, called Body Image. Body image. And church, we need to talk a little bit about our body image. I don't know if you're aware or not, but there is an election taking place this week. Facebook and Instagram have been doing everything they can to make sure I'm registered for it. They've been working hard, along with the entire internet, has been working hard. You know, every election is divisive, but this year it's been hitting a little bit differently. It's been feeling a little bit differently. I think our world was already in a pretty divided state and the pandemic has made things a little bit worse. Spending time apart from others uh, resulted in us spending more time together with only people who think the way that we do. And as a result, I think the gaps between us and those who think differently than us have widened. And it's happening both inside and outside of the church. See, the Gathering Church is a church for all people, 
of all kinds. We have people who are a part of this family who are going to vote both ways on Tuesday and who have deep convictions about why they do. Just like our city is filled with people of diverse backgrounds and beliefs, so is our church. See, I think it's part of what makes this church and even this city so wonderful. People from all kinds of backgrounds come together in one place for one purpose. But this year there's been a lot of division and each side has almost no tolerance for the other. And it can't be that way within the church. This Tuesday, your candidate is going to win or lose based on how we vote. But this week, the church and our community are going to win or lose based on how we treat one another. Let me say that again. This Tuesday, our, your candidate is going to win or lose based on how we vote. But this week, our church and therefore our city, win or lose based on how we treat one another. Over and over again, there's this image used in scriptures where it describes the church as a body, as the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 27, it says, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there could be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We're gonna talk about the body of Christ this week and how to improve our body image. I started working out this week, you could probably tell. It was probably the first thing that you thought of when you saw me. And I went four times, so I'm basically a fitness expert now. If you have any questions, I'll be outside afterwards. I started working out because there's been a significant gap in time between now and the last time I took any kind of interest in my physical health. And it's resulted in some unwanted side effects. I'm not a huge fan of the way things are going in the current dad bod status. Can anybody relate to that? And when you develop a poor body image, I think you can do one of two things. One of two things. You can let it tear you apart more and more and affect not only your physical health, but your mental health. Or you can let it motivate you to get healthy. I chose the latter. Now, I accept that there are some things about my body that I haven't necessarily loved, but that that's how God made me. And so I'm going to learn to love myself for the things that won't change. But I also accept that there are things about my body image that are within my control. And there is something I can do about it. And so I'm going to make a choice to do something about it. So if we are the body of Christ together on either side of the voting aisle and we are still one body, then I believe it's time for us to accept the things that we cannot change and work hard for the things that we can. And here's why. Number one, a poor body image hurts us. A poor body image hurts us. You don't have to be a counselor to know that a poor body image hurts you. It makes you less effective, it makes you unhappy, and it can rob you of the purpose that you were made to have. And the same is true for the body of Christ. If one part of the body doesn't want anything else to do with another part of the body, we lose. Paul says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The body needs all of its parts. 
See, it's good that we're all so different because people are different. People are different all over and they have different worldviews and they come from different backgrounds and no one person can reach all people. Not one person in this world is designed in such a way that they will be able to reach every person who is in need of the message of Jesus Christ. And so in order to do what it is we were made to do, which is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by serving people and glorifying God, we are going to need one another. We are especially going to need people who are nothing like us. And that means that those of us who think differently from one another have to find a way to be in the same body together. And we need to do it because our city needs a unified church. Because a poor body image not only hurts us, a poor body image hurts others. The people in your life, they deserve you at your best. And if you can't learn to embrace the things that you can't change and take action for the things that you can, they're not going to get your best. As a church, we need to understand this because our city needs us. Here's why. Our city is our responsibility and they need us at our best. They need to see us loving one another, seeing one another, working together for the mission that we've been given. Jesus said that by this, everyone will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. That's not what they see when we have a poor body image. They don't see the way that we love one another. When one part of the body hates another part of the body, they're seeing something different. That's not what they're seeing a lot of in our nation as a whole during this election season. Instead, people are seeing us fighting with one another, judging one another, or maybe even worse, writing one another off, assuming that the other has no value to add. Because our city needs us at our best, but I think often during seasons like this, they're seeing us at our worst. I think it's important that no matter what happens on Tuesday, as a church, we make a commitment to come together to give them our best every single day. And here's how we're going to do it. First, we're going to make the main thing the main thing. Make the main thing the main thing. It's important to remember that while what happens in our country and our city matters, the kingdom of God matters more. I'm going to say something controversial. It might stir up some people. America is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is bigger. This is temporary. The kingdom of God is eternal. Your political party is temporary. Political parties come and go. Anybody voting for the Whigs on Tuesday? One thing is eternal. It's the kingdom of God. Our nation's culture is going to shift and change. Our values are going to be attacked and praised. And these things have all happened before, and these things are all going to happen again. But through all of it, the mission of the church has been the same. I'm not telling you not to care about what happens in your country. In fact, I think that you should. But I am telling you not to care more about what happens in your country than about what happens in the kingdom of God. There is a bigger mission at hand. You know, Jesus knew that we would struggle with division. He could see it. In fact, I believe it broke his heart. So much so that the very last thing that he prayed over for you and I 
was to heal it. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus knows the order of things. He knows what's coming next. He knows it's within just a few moments. He knows this is his last moment of intercession with him and God before he's going to go make that ultimate sacrifice. And he spent some time praying for himself. He spent some time praying for those 12 disciples. And then he spent some time praying for me and you. It says in John chapter 17, verse 20, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. The disciples, he just finished praying for the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that's you and me, that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I think it's interesting that Jesus drew a direct connection between our ability to unify and our ability to reach people with the message he gave us. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. See, Jesus understood that whether or not the world would be able to hear this message from us, from the church, would depend on whether or not we could operate in unity as one body, all of our different gifts and abilities working together to accomplish the mission given to us by Jesus. Church, we got to remember, we have to always make the main thing the main thing. The meaning of life is very simple. We exist to glorify God. And we do that by serving people, the people that he created. And we do that by inviting them to join in the kingdom of heaven alongside of us. And if you want to live a joyful and fulfilled life, that's how you do it. That's the secret. And since that's what you were made for, everything else in this world is peripheral. Nothing matters more than the mission we've been given to glorify God and serve people, to serve people. And by inviting them into the kingdom of God with our gifts, by using the way that God made us to serve the way he made us to serve, to live the way that he made us to live, to give the message that he gave us to give. There is nothing in this world that is more important than that. And anything that we can do that distracts us from that, that takes the attention away from that, that makes our effectiveness in that mission worse, is a distraction. It can be hard to keep our mind and focus on the main thing when the now things are so much easier to see. We live in a culture that's obsessed with the now things. Hopelessness and brokenness and sin are wrecking people's lives. But we are so good at being obsessed with only the thing that directly impacts us, the thing that we see the now thing that we want, the things that all of our friends are talking about, the things that the TV is talking about, the things that are trending on social media that are telling us what to think about and talk about. We get very fixated and focused on now things while right outside our windows, right next door, are people whose hearts are broken and they don't know what the answer is to bring them back together. We get so fixated on the now things. But the eternal things are so much more important There's simply too much on the line for us to divide ourselves over politics. We got to keep our focus and keep the main thing, the main thing. Second Corinthians 418 says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, 
but what is unseen is eternal. I know that there, there are so many reasons that we tie into our core values, our core beliefs, our worldview, our Christian worldview as to why we vote for either side. I know that. But don't let the why distract you from the who. That, that despite what reasons, what convictions get us into those particular places, we all have one mission together. And we have to work together because our city is our responsibility and our city desperately needs us. The second way that we can get past this is to see the person, not the politics. See the person, not the politics. The person voting against your candidate is either a person who Jesus died for and desperately wants a relationship with and needs you to reach, or they're your co-laborer in the mission that Jesus gave us before he ascended into heaven. They're gifted, called, anointed, and whether or not you think they're living like it, they were made to be unified with you in the body of Christ that he is sending into this world, the church. And you may fundamentally disagree with an action that a person is gonna take this week. But you've got to try to understand that there is a person behind the action and a heart behind the person. The way that that person experiences life is different from how you experience life. The things that led them to their convictions are different than the things that led you to your convictions. See, I think sometimes we get so fired up about why someone might vote for another candidate than the one we want to vote for that we never actually stop to ask why. To humanize the person with a conversation or a question. And if we do ask why, and then we disagree still, we forget that it's okay to disagree with somebody and still love that person, work with that person, and even be effective alongside of that person. You know, most of what Jesus did in his ministry was intentional. He had three years to reset the relationship between God and man and man and man. And so he didn't waste a thing. Everything that he did was intentional. And one of the most intentional things that he did was choose those who would be his 12 disciples, who would be the ones who would ignite the church in the world after he left. He chose fishermen first on purpose. These were men who were considered uneducated, not good enough to be in the religious world at the time. And Jesus said, I'm gonna choose these guys to be my first followers because the message that I'm sending you out for is for everybody, not just a few. And then he made another choice. He brought two people on the team that had no business being in the same team together. The first was a man named Matthew, and he was a tax collector. Short history lesson. The tax collectors were hated by everybody for a good reason. For the last hundred years or so, the Jew Jewish people, Israel and Judah, were under Roman rule. Now, the Jewish people believed that only God had the authority to rule them, so any other empire that tried to overtake them was taking the, God, the promise of God from them. Fundamentally, they disagreed with it politically. However, some people saw it as an opportunity to profit. That was the tax collectors. The tax collectors were hired by the Roman government to take up the taxes of Rome for the government of Rome. And the way that they would do that was a little bit shifty. They would come in a lot of times and take more than what they were owed, and that made them very rich. The people generally universally hated tax collectors because they lined up with the wrong political party. And Jesus asked one to follow him. It says in Matthew chapter 9, 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. 
While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus quotes Hosea chapter six, verse six, when he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. as a way of telling them that he values the person over the action. The person over the action. God would rather see us showing one another the kind of redeeming love that he shows us than have us get everything right all the time. Jesus tells the religious people to go and learn what this means because they were so concerned with the process of redemption that they forgot to worry about the outcome of it. The process of redemption involves sacrifice and work, but the outcome is a changed life. God is more concerned with the life, the person, than the sacrifice. Jesus drives this home with a hard object lesson. He brings Matthew on board, and afterwards, the Gospel of Luke tells us that he also brought in a man named Simon the Zealot. There was two Simons and the disciples. One would become Peter, and the other one is just labeled by the group of people he belonged to, the Zealots. The Zealots were a group of Jewish people who were so opposed to Roman rule, they became insurgents against it. They constantly attacked the Romans and believed a Messiah was coming who would use military force to overthrow the Romans. Simon probably thought that was Jesus' role when he first met him, but his heart would change. Now, there's no stories in the scripture of the interactions between these two men. Odds are they never agreed on politics, but they did agree about Jesus. And Jesus taught them to love one another, to serve one another, and to work together to make disciples. And so that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what we can do as well. When we're tempted to boil someone down to their political convictions, it's important for us to remember that even if we disagree on that, we can agree on Jesus and we can still work together to make disciples. And the last thing today that we can do in this season to improve our body image is bring the body together. Bring the body together. God crafts all of us so differently. And then he asks us to work together as one body because he knows how different each person we are trying to reach is. Someone who voted for Trump may be differently equipped to reach different people than someone who voted for Biden. And so together, we can reach more people in new and different ways. My nose is nothing like my mouth. They both have some holes in them. They're both a little bit crooked, but that's about the end of the similarity. However, my nose and my mouth have to work together in order for me to taste things properly, unless I have COVID. That's how a body works. And I think that's why the, the Bible constantly refers to us as a body, because it's, parts are so different. Our parts are so different. Bodies are so weird. But when we come together, it functions, it works. We can be effective. We can do amazing and incredible things. And as the body of Christ, as the church, we, we may be so different from one another. We may not even understand how the other person works, why the other person thinks the way that they do. But our creator does. 
And he knows, and he knows why he made each of us the way that he made us. He knows the way that our lives have shaped us, our experiences have shaped us. And he also knows that if we can come together as the church and be one body, he knows the potential. He knows that the people that are on the other side waiting for us to work together, to come together, to come and bring this message of hope into a hopeless world, to bring a, a, a show and a message of unity into a divided nation, to come into a city that believes these two sides should only ever be at war with one another and say, well, we don't agree on politics, but we do agree about Jesus. And so we can work together to accomplish the mission we were created to accomplish. When all of the body parts come together, when all of us come together, we really hear and see one another, we begin to grow. And not just in numbers, but as people. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. When we draw these political divides and write off entire groups of people based on their political leanings, we are not living a life worthy of our calling. We've been called to be more than that, to be bigger than that. We've called to love in a way that doesn't have exceptions. It's one of the most amazing things about Jesus is that his love never comes with a but. I love you, but I love you, but not you. I don't love. No, it's, it's a love without exception that we go into every, every home, every heart, every part of our community with the same love. Verse two says, be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love because humility hears and patience seeks to understand and love overwhelms differences and make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And this is the main thing. And we got to keep it the main thing. Verse seven, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. That means that we've all been given different gifts. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to all of his people. We've all been gifted in different ways. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up in growth track. We talk about this passage about how it says that the apostles, the evangelists, that the people who typically work in the staff position at the church, our role is not to do all the work and the ministry of the church in our city. Our role is to equip to give people the resources they need, the tools they need, the space they need, the training they need, the environment they need. Our role, my role is not to go out and reach the city myself. My role is to equip the church to do the ministry together in unity as one together, all of us with different gifts. And then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. To be honest, there are a lot of people in this world who want to tell you how to behave, who to think for like, 
what to do, how you're supposed to treat other people, how you're supposed to perceive other people, the way that it's supposed to make you feel. There's a lot of other people in this world who are trying to control those things in your heart, but only one has the authority to. And the more mature we grow as a body, as a church family, as the people of God, in this place of God, the more mature we grow, the more we come to understand that, the less we'll be tossed back and forth by what the world wants us to think. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Church, we need each other, and our city needs us. And there's a lot to think about. Now, the, on, here, I, want, I want you to have your convictions about what happens in our country this week. I think it's important to care. I think it's important to vote and to do those things. I think, I think it is. But do not lose sight of the most, the most important thing, the thing you were created for, the thing that's changed your heart. If you follow Jesus, then you can look back on a moment where everything changed forever, where you'll never, ever, 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 ever be the same. Your eternity shifted. All the things that were important to you changed a little bit. You began to understand your why. You began to understand that there's more in this life than just this life. And as we keep our eyes fixated and focused on Jesus, we have to be able, regardless of what a person on our left and on our right's convictions are, to say we may disagree on that, but we agree on Jesus. And so we have something to do here. We have a mission to, um, to work in together. We have a place to go together. We need to do this because our city needs us and it needs us unified. When we bring the body together, we are capable of changing the world around us. It's time to take our divided body image and start to change it. Our city needs us and it needs us at our best. If you're in here this morning and you are just in this season of divisiveness and hopelessness looking for hope and you've never made the decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus, well, let me say a couple things to you this morning. This is not a perfect family. We have to have family talks like this sometimes. We, we get it wrong. I get it wrong all the time. And I don't know what you've seen in the church before or what you felt or experienced, but here is what I know, that despite our flaws and our imperfections and the many ways that we get it wrong, there is so much hope here for what can go right, for what can happen when we come together, when we work together, lives can change, cities can change, culture can shift. And where there was darkness, there can be light. And if you have been looking for that, it is so easy to step into that relationship. All you have to do is say yes to an invitation that was given to you 2,000 years ago when Jesus did all the work so that you could enter into a relationship with him. And so if you're ready to enter into that relationship, it is as simple as saying yes. 
If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. I thank you for for making a way for me to enter into relationship with you. So today, I ask that you would forgive me for all my mistakes, all my sins. And I give you everything that I am from this moment forward. Come into my heart, come into my life and change me, transform me so that I I can be used by you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.